Hello, this is Josiah from the future. As you all know, uh, Jared is on sabbatical right now. Uh, but during this kind of hiatus, we still wanted to be producing some content for you guys. Um, so today's episode is actually an old episode. We recorded this episode on New Year's Eve. Uh, between 2018 to 2019, and it was going to be the first episode of this podcast. But uh, our second episode, which was going to be on MK Ultra, took us too long to make, and then we just kind of fell off until July of this year. Um, so I'm I'm excited to show this to you guys. It uh, this episode includes uh, some cringy old theme music. That was the original theme music for the show. We have a weird echo issue uh, because we were recording in the same room. And in true Josiah fashion, I'm pretty sure I misquote a bunch of philosophers. So without further ado, uh, this is the moon landing episode. We're funny and interesting, but... <laughs> but that's not true. That's just not true. <laughs> you know, I don't want to lie to the people. Exactly, to our, our deeply devoted fans. And we don't want to get off on the foot where we're just lying to them about us. And so we need to we're come off so as bad. like them. We need people to think that we're like them. Boring, uninteresting just just real salt of the earth we need to hide our reptile scales and exactly pretend to be humans. we need to make sure that they know that we're not part of the hollywood elite <laughs> we're not better than producing content for the masses i i like it for the masses by the masses by the masses and a people's podcast exactly and we are stepping into the role of the people, even though we're obviously, you know, not, but they don't need to know that. No, no, for sure. Um, I like I like this being an elaborate work of kitsch art. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's more of an art piece than a podcast. Yeah, but like, you know, bad, like, <laughs> like, um, like on your wall, it says eat, pray, love. And it's like technically art, but it's not. That's right. us. Yes, yes, that is absolutely what we're going for for the podcast. Absolutely. And that actually leads us into a fun point where we are a direct from Twitter podcast. Oh, yeah. Where we're this cool new twist where instead of having social media support the podcast, the podcast is actually here to support our social media account. I love account, it. Account, mind you. We're not making any others. We are Twitter only. Hello, welcome to Very Legal, Very Cool, the podcast where we explore cultural phenomenons and their impact on society as a whole. I'm Jared, and I'm here with Josiah. Hey, what's up? <laughs> and our goal here today is to have fun and make cool new friends on the World Wide Web. We're here to kick ass and make friends. And we're all done kicking ass. Yeah, this is the first podcast that um, is completely designed to support a Twitter account. It does not actually have any real content of its own. Uh, and so as a um, podcast that is purely designed to support a Twitter account, I think it would be best to start off by reading some of our tweets. I think that's a good idea. So... We're going to head over to the very legal, very cool Twitter account, which if you don't follow, you're not actually getting the full podcast experience and do not legally count as a part of our fan base. So you can find us at VLegalVCoolPod at Twitter.com. <clears throat> so we'll start out. One hour ago, I posted, someone stop us. I didn't think we'd get this far. This is out of control. This post includes a picture of Josiah with our recording setup and received 29 impressions and six total engagements, but no likes and no retweets. And that concludes today's segment of Twitter. I would like to point out that we have 57 tweets already on our account and zero episodes. Just nothing. It's Absolutely nothing. The wasteland of content. It's not real. <laughs> it's, 
the the podcast is currently sitting in some nebulous ether in between a real podcast and just Twitter. We're really creating like an expressionist entity. And what I mean by that is we're putting no effort into it, but saying it's proving a point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that sounds about right. I think that there's an important legal disclaimer here that though the podcast is called Very Legal, Very Cool, neither of us know anything about either the legality of anything or being cool. The coolness of it, yeah. Yeah, so just just an important cool disclaimer to to drop on you guys before we really get going here today. Um, usually, like, at this point of the podcast, we would just do some, like, catching up. Um, but nobody knows who we are, so I don't really want to uh, catch up at yeah, all. Yeah, that makes a lot of um, sense. But I, I guess I would like to maybe say, like, what this is, because, like, you can read the thesis statement that we ironed out pretty nicely on a Trello board, but it's not really what this is. Technically, they can't read it because uh, it's not no, I mean, written you, anywhere. You, Jared, can read that out loud. <laughs> that's true. Go, wow, that's deep. But it's not. <laughs> right, right. What, and well, what is a podcast but people? But people that's it's deep that's deep it is so good. it is it's um so like jared and i have known each other for a really long time we're both um uh jared just graduated from college i'm in college right now we're just uh young dumb uh, full, full of calm. Calm. yeah that was not good no actually we should probably restart <laughs> i should not have said that <laughs> um no i'm powering through please don't <laughs> Um, we both come from the Midwest, um, for the most part. I mean, you lived in North, North Carolina, Carolina for, bit, for the majority of my childhood, actually. Yeah, right. But so. you're, you're a Midwest person in my head. So. That's true. Yeah. Um, I'm from Des Moines, Iowa. I lived there my whole entire life. Um, somehow, Jared and I maintained a friendship. You, like, you lived in, in Iowa for like a year or two, right? Two, two years? Yep. And we were friends at that point, and somehow we maintained a friendship after you moved far away, mm -hmm. primarily through online means. Yep. And what that really turned into was, like, this bizarre thing we would do in high school or middle school where we would Skype at, like, 3 in the morning and send each other bizarre Wikipedia pages because we were enormous dorks. Yeah, um, yeah. And so... Despite any sort of thesis statement we have for this podcast, really what we're doing is just capturing that um, part of our friendship that we've done for like eight years now, which is just really bizarre trivia, um, loosely related to politics and religion, because those are things we're interested in, but uh, also weird conspiracy theories and stuff. Um, Basically yeah. trolling the internet for things that we find cool and think other people might find cool, but at the end of the day, it's just pretty much us bullshitting on a microphone yeah which, which is podcasting it's, is it's podcasting the burden of proof is on baby. other people for why we're not podcasting we don't have yeah. to explain ourselves yeah. we don't know you shit you're the one that decided to listen you in listened god <clears throat> yeah we're not wasting your time you're wasting your time <laughs> Don't leave us, please. Just, we need uh, this. We just, need this. Just listen at least for the next 30 seconds while I tell you about Casper Mattresses. <laughs> Casper Mattresses. Please, we need this. So a thing we talked a lot about, though, growing up, because um, we were always into weird conspiracy theories, not necessarily in the believing them sense. We weren't like... No, I wouldn't call either of us conspiracy theorists. At all, really. Yeah. We, but we liked uh, fringe, bizarre movements. Right. I, for one, believe anything the media tells me. Yes. And so any sort of divergent theory, while interesting, doesn't really appeal to me. No, everything is good. I'm just a neoliberal shill, and I love <laughs> the media. Capital M. But this podcast is going to be the slow uh, act of taking a red pill and waking up to realizing that the incel fantasy is in fact true. <laughs> How do I delete a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Google, delete this podcast. Sorry, something went wrong. When you're ready, give it another try. That was actually good advice, you know. That we, is good we advice. Up, we can start over. And right when you're ready, I like that that she's given us that Google's that so option. Nice. Um, but one thing we did like to focus on a lot um, was like, so I remember we were really into talking about like MK Ultra, mm -hmm. government um, conspiracies. Government uh, actual things that happened were really interesting, yep. and I'd like to get into that at some point. Right, it's not just conspiracies so much as like 
trivia and mm-hmm. weird history and fun facts and yeah things that would win on Jeopardy. The the thing that like I think that's changed as I got older though is as as somebody who's in college to study history, um, I really like taking those weird bizarre trivias and then plugging them into the actual context they happened because there right. are a lot of people out there who know some really like oh this is a crazy thing that happened. But they don't know like why it happened. Absolutely, context, context, and implications. I think are are the most interesting part of this, and especially even with you know MK Ultra was our example, and taking that and applying the strategies and methodology they use with MK Ultra to things happening today, mm-hmm. and saying, hey, wait a minute, they did this once before, or this is how they did it then, and this is how they're doing it now, and what does that say? about the United States government. <laughs> and that's really what this is all about, is implicating the United States government and just committing a shit ton of libel. Oh my God, so, so much, much libel. Treason. <laughs> we are going to commit so much treason on this podcast, you don't even know. You are not even aware. Um, but I, I'm going to transition to this. We we really liked... Um, actually, oh, actually, I want to say this, though. Um, I remember we you sending me the Flat Earth Society. Yes. In, like, middle school. Yeah. And it was before the whole explosion of right, with that B.O.B. Being, yeah. Because yeah. like in, in 2016, I think it was 2015, 2016, B.O.B. was like, ah, eh, the earth is flat. And that made this like a mainstream conspiracy theory. But it used right. to be a really underground one. Right. To, to the point, um, I was actually in a punk band called The World is Flat. Mm-hmm. And it was a funny name at the time, to me anyway, because it was like not a well-known conspiracy mm-hmm. and I was in that band once B.O.B. did it and suddenly it turned into a really hacky name. Right. It was really annoying and I didn't, it wasn't like some weird fringe group that I named it after. It was, uh, it was like, Oh man. Yeah. I remember we had actually gotten accepted into a flat earth society Facebook group. Oh my God. And yeah. spent months just kind of trolling through collecting just these awful memes and, Man, that that was truly the golden age of Facebook. I think they've actually cracked down on they a lot have. of yeah. um, conspiracy pages, which is which is a real bummer. Because apparently, like, yeah, Facebook misinformation has led to genocides or whatever. But but what they're missing <laughs> is that there were a lot of cool and fun pages. <laughs> really, I, I really that loved you could be the, a part of. The, the free market of ideas was at place in Facebook, and it's really tragic that they've cut down on it. I. Yes, the one of the amendments, I think, really comes into play here. Which one? One of them. The second. One of them. (laughs) But so today's topic, we are talking about the moon landing. Did it happen or did it not happen or did it happen and the government still lied about it or one of a million different options that yeah. people have come up with. Because the thing about this conspiracy is everybody kind of knows the basics. I don't want to get it. I really don't want to focus too much on like the weird camera angles or stuff. That's right. not interesting to me. Right. And like, like cultural phenomenon. Yeah. Not, you you yeah. can go on Wikipedia and read through all the different camera angles and the rebuttals and yeah. why the light was this way. And, you know, real science much like we're not lawyers, we're also not scientists. Yeah, so I don't. I, I, it's a boring thing to delve into. I don't want to be arguing astrophysics or or doing like a Neil deGrasse Tyson type thing. Like that's I, not what I'm I would say. In not only is it boring, but we cannot do that with any sense of authority. No, absolutely not. Yeah, because <laughs> we're uh, we're both humanities majors, so right. we got to focus on the humanity of this. Technically, I'm not a humanities major because I have a humanities degree, so. You majored in a humanity. But I am not currently majoring in. It's an important distinction because it makes me feel more qualified than you. <laughs> I'm sorry that you you did school smarter than me. All right. <laughs> no, I got a humanities degree, dude. <laughs> and I work in marketing now. <laughs> I mean, my, mine's worse because, like, I... <laughs> I do this thing where it's like the uh, I didn't go to school for a year and then I made the turnaround and usually that's like I'm gonna go to school to be a lawyer or something right. but instead of like I'm making my turnaround I'm making something of myself I'm majoring in history and philosophy to be fair history and philosophy great track for law it is I know that that that's my uh, that's my backup plan if I like if academia caves in right and actually when I, when yes but uh, <laughs> But uh, my dream is is to be a professor. Right, so. right. My dream is to marry rich and not work. 
That, that is the artistic dream, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. Then I can do whatever the fuck I want on my wife's parents' dime. Perfect. Where the fuck were we going with this? The moon landing. The moon landing. Well, yes, I'm trying to... Uh, uh, <laughs> no, okay, but we were saying we're, we're trying to do more a humanities angle to this. Yeah. Stuff. Not, not science, because the science stuff is kind of a dead horse. Right, and, you know, science isn't real anyways, yeah, so... science isn't real. So, okay... Moon landing happens in 1969, right? Yes. Um, and it was a big monumental moment in in um, history, especially related to obviously technology and science, but mm-hmm. the Cold War. And that's that's Absolutely. the important thing that everybody harps on is there. There was this space race to prove ourselves to the Soviet Union that we were more superior technologically. It, so there was a lot for the government to lose if it right. didn't, if mean, it wasn't it, able to pull it off. Beyond proving that we were better, that we had better technology than the Russians, it was just a. It became a PR stunt where, you know, the national morale would collapse if the if the Russians won or so they thought. Yeah. And so we have that completely unscientific panic around it. Right. And I mean, think of all the uh, all the Apollo missions before the eventual success successful one. It it was there was tons of failed rockets. There was tons of there there was Apollo one. Yeah. All the astronauts died here on Earth in a test like in a testing platform and not it wasn't it didn't even launch. Yeah. And from there, and that's something we'll get into a little, like they died in in a fire and NASA said that we're not going to do this for a long time now. We're taking a break. This isn't going to work like we thought. And people use that as, you know, the smoking gun is like, oh, well, they must have faked it because they, they said here that they don't have the tech to do it now. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a few years later, we're landing on the moon. Yeah. But. Yeah, it was it was a really dangerous technological thing, and that's I think that's a thing that gets forgotten about the moon landing a lot is how much uh, how much got fucked up leading up yeah. to it. Yeah, um, the only people who seem to harp on it a lot are, are uh, conspiracy theorists, right? Because they're like, how did they figure it out? So, so you don't hear this anymore, obviously, because we did it. But um, you, you hear like an, an old grandma or something use a figure of speech, like, yeah, that'll happen when pigs fly. That'll happen when, you know, it snows in August. Um, there was a, a figure of speech in like the 50s and 60s that was, yeah, that'll happen when we fly to the moon. So right off the bat, everybody, there was a, a kind of a, a doubt that it had actually happened because it was just, it was the most absurd thing. It was the thing that we could never do. Mm-hmm. I remember we were reading, uh, reading about in a book by Bill Clinton, um, talking about, his, I think it was his autobiography. Yeah. He talked about uh, working with a carpenter around the time of the moon landing, and the carpenter being like, ah, "They didn't do it; they faked it." You know, and I think I think specifically it was something around the lines of, "Oh, Hollywood people can do whatever. Right? They can make anything look like anything." Right. And, and right. it's important. It's important to note that directly before this, in 1968, Kubrick came out with 2001: A Space Odyssey, which you know actually features scenes of people on the moon and so there's this whole oh well clearly we have the technology and the 2001 space odyssey used really advanced for the time uh, special effects and it was a really groundbreaking they hold up today yeah absolutely for a 60s film absolutely and so you know having this film come out the year before (laughs) we put (laughs) we put a man on the moon raised some red flags for people mm-hmm. and of course helped stoke the flames for the Kubrick did it theory. Right. It, it, I, I keep saying this word. I'm trying to find a better word. And so I hate myself for it, but it's a really postmodern thing because it plays. I feel into, like we need to keep a tally of how many times you say that and then but, find a punishment for but, you for each time. It's, it's really a matter of perception. Um, it's okay. Cause like, like uh, French philosopher John Baudrillard after 9-11 had said when people were watching 9-11 happen, um, they didn't believe it was real because they thought it was a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they were like, this is, this is what I've seen on films all the time. It's an action film. Right. Um, and I think the moon landing was literally the same thing because a year before everybody was in theaters watching this thing happen. Yeah. Like space happening. Yeah. And so it was really hard not to be like, this is just a movie. Right. This isn't real. I'm right. not on the moon, you know, <laughs> I, so I can't feel it. I can't sense it, but I can I can see an altered photo of it. Right. You know, what's the, what I could perceive as an altered 
simulated photo of it. For sure. A lot of people were doubtful of it to begin with, but it was more just kind of um, just kind of intellectual doubt of science, which is just a thing. It happens in America a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. Not just America, yeah. really around the world. It's True. a general distrust of authority. Mm-hmm. Which isn't unwarranted, we should definitely say like it's not. absolutely absolutely but <laughs> um but there's a line there's you, a point. you've gotta you've gotta mix it with a little common sense yeah but it took until the 70s for this idea to get formulated by our good friend friend of the show <laughs> uh one of one of the people we're going to talk about a lot bill casing good old casing what a guy Um, Let's see. He released a book in 1976 called We Never Went to the Moon, America's $30 Billion Swindle. It is a really bad book. I've read I read a little bit of it for the podcast. And he he opens by saying that he, he started to search for answers because when he was watching it, he doubted it. And he actually attributes that doubt to possibly, he goes, a hunch or maybe a metaphysical message from the divine. So off the bat, this is a guy who thinks he got a message from God that the moon landing was fake. And it, so he goes in, not he's not somebody who was like working in science and then went, oh, this doesn't line up. It wasn't right. that. He's somebody who decided it wasn't true and then went on a pilgrimage to prove that it wasn't true. Right. And then and even in 2001, when he was featured in Conspiracy Theory, Did We Land on the Moon, which we'll get into in a bit. That's how he opened. That's how he sort of introduced himself and started his argument. Like, I decided this because I got a hunch. And something that we'll see repeatedly with a lot of the people who defend this is they have a hunch or they believe one way and they will twist everything backwards to make sure that their reality fits. It's really interesting. So <laughs> so who is Bill Casing? I guess we should maybe um, rewind a little bit because he his background gets kind of ignored yeah. when people talk about him. Yeah, because they're... Right. Anywhere that you find reference to Bill Casing, you will find that he worked for NASA and he was an analyst, they often say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, analyst. I think um, and I think one of the uh, documentaries called him an investigative journalist. Right. No, is, that was. Um, that oh, was that was several. Several. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which we'll get into soon. Yeah. But yeah, he was he was referred always referred to that he worked for NASA, which is true. He did work for NASA. However, <laughs> his degree was in English. So Bachelor of the Arts. Bachelor of the Arts in English. <laughs> and his job was as a technical writer. So to to substantiate his claims that he understood rocket science and understood that that the rockets that NASA was building weren't powerful enough is a bit of a a long shot. Like yeah, and so he talked a lot about this too because he, he worked um, he worked as a technical writer at Rocketdyne. I think I'm saying that right. Um, from it looks like from '56 to '63, mm-hmm. um, and then he quit for personal reasons. And I, th- I think I'm correct. He he went and started working as like a furniture maker. Really? Um, yeah, which is an interesting just thing. And so part of like what he was saying is they weren't advanced enough when I left that they could have possibly gotten advanced enough to like do it by 69. Right. That's a thing that he like really holds to as the reason that he started doubting that yeah. the message from God. Yes. Which is, I think, crazy for a couple reasons. One, because he was a, it was a senior technical writer. He wasn't I mean, he, he wasn't an engineer. He wasn't a scientist. And yes, he did work closely with the with them. And I'm sure had a decent understanding of how all this worked but this this was not his field of study and this was not he was not a professional in that field and so his opinion needs to be taken with a grain of salt yeah just because you know i i don't pretend to know a ton about rockets right it's it's like and i I have the same qualifications he does right oh you do (laughs) right totally it's it's like if i was working as an underwriter at wells fargo and then some and then i claimed that i therefore had the ability to understand like 
how the derivative market works and right. like how the 2008 crisis happened. Right. Because well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't understand. Yeah. That. Like I work in marketing at an insurance company and I can't tell you if you're, if you've got a valid claim right. or what you're. Yeah. Yeah. You, you under, I mean, you understand how the market works, but that's, sure. that's it. That's not like you, you don't have that nitty gritty. I've done the math and punching numbers. Right. Type, like, right. I cannot do any sort of claims adjusting. Especially, especially, I mean, from 63 to 69 being time that so much money was getting poured into NASA. Yeah. I, I mean, Sure, they advanced really fast because that was the one of the hugest goals of the U.S. government was to advance exactly. really fast. I mean, it was literally the space race. Yeah. So we are the, literally the goal is to do it as fast as humanly possible. So. Yeah. So so he's the guy who kind of formulates this as a theory mm-hmm. that um, it, it goes from just being like. You know, your, your, your redneck uncle going like, ah, I don't think they could have done that. You know, right. it was all people in the movie theaters. It, it goes from that to being like, here's a guy who wrote a book, who worked in the field, who understands it. And it gave more credibility. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. It, it takes some time before this really, like, becomes a mainstream theory. And there's a couple things that do it. Um, the first is, and we are going to talk about these guys a lot over the next while, I feel, um, yeah. over the next uh, many episodes, uh, the Flat Earth Society. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, you didn't know they were around in the 80s. They were. They've been around since the 50s. Mm-hmm. Um, weird, interesting. Yeah. I will, we'll we'll like, have an episode I will on love that. to delve into them. Yeah, They're it's, so it's going to be a lot of fun. They endorsed the theory in the 80s. I don't know yes. the exact date. Um, and that that triggered uh, a little bit because, if I'm correct, the Flat Earth Society was starting to make some news in the 80s for mm-hmm. some reason. I don't remember why that was. And I think we'll get into that when we do an episode on them. But they were, right. they were starting to become a thing people were aware of as a weird fringe group. So right. endorsing this theory starts kind of giving it some publicity. Exactly. I would say... That it still remains a pretty fringe theory, although one that people held, especially in really strong fundamentalist Christian groups, mm-hmm. until 2001 actually triggered it to being a huge um, mainstream conversation with the release of a Fox TV special called Conspiracy Theory, Did We Land on the Moon? This was um, produced by the same guy who produced The Amazing Race. I don't remember if he was the head producer or just a producer, but mm-hmm. he... Uh, is John Moffat? Yeah, John Moffat. Yep. Yeah, so he was he was a producer on The Amazing Race shortly after this. It's just a weird detour. He, he liked making these um, Fox TV specials on, like, mm-hmm. uh, the craziest thing to happen. And so it, right. it fell into just kind of this glorification of the absurd or interesting or weird. Right. And, well, it was interesting with the documentary itself. Like, they set it up as a here are the facts, decide for yourself. And they did provide some rebuttal to the hoaxes, but the vast, vast majority of the documentary was all of these different proofs for why the moon landing did not happen. And so it was Mm -hmm. it was over overarchingly pro moon hoax. Yeah. And I I I mean, to the best of the research I've done, we've done for this podcast, this seems to be where it becomes more of a mainstream conspiracy theory. Yeah. 2001. Yeah. Um, Again, it was floating around before this. Um, It was definitely more mainstream than um, than like the Flat Earth Society or whatever. But it it was, you know, because it it fed into a lot of doubts people were already having. But this was when it it started to go mainstream. Rewinding a tad, but it, it, it doesn't really become important until the 2000s anyway. But 1980, Stanley Kubrick came out with his famous film, The Shining. Yes. It's, you know, a beautiful film. And uh, Kubrick is known for putting a lot of detail into his films, obviously. Right. Um, Any film nerd could tell you that. And a lot of people saw The Shining as a confession from Kubrick. And so they'll point out scenes where he's hidden A11 for Apollo 11. Or... The uh, the room number changed from room 217 to room 237, which was the approximate average distance from the Earth to the moon was like 237,000 miles. Yeah. And 
they they pull out all these little bits and pieces from The Shining and construed it as a an actual confession from Kubrick. Yeah. Yeah, and so that whole theory from from Kubrick filming it was really interesting. So the idea was that the US government and there are actually a lot of really interesting variations of this. We'll get to it, but yeah. <laughs> the general idea is the US government had realized that they weren't actually gonna be able to make it to the moon, but kind of seeing the potential PR disaster of letting the Russians win or letting the Russians fake it first, they contacted Stanley Kubrick, who is of course well known for not only doing 2001 Space Odyssey, but being incredibly meticulous, a genius um, producer, and they wanted him to fake the moon landing. And the issue that people say with this is Kubrick was a very highly principled filmmaker and had little to no trust of the government. And they say that he was blackmailed. The government threatened to murder his daughter if he ever told anyone or spoke about it. And so that's why he hid his confession in The Shining. And there's, of course, all kinds of issues with this. Not the least being, if you look at the scenes on the moon in 2001 Space Odyssey and the footage from NASA, they're not very similar. So, okay, ever since The Shining, it, it was starting to float around that maybe, like, in these bizarre uh, conspiracy communities, um, right. flat earthers, that, that Kubrick was semi, like, was involved in some way in the filming of it. Right. Especially because it just made sense because Kubrick is like, was one of the big monumental filmmakers of the 60s. So yeah. like, sure. And then The Shining has that theory that it's the, um, it's His confession. confession. Yeah. Um, and it took, okay, and I, 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 we've struggled to find a date for when this really takes off, but it really is late 2000s, early 2010s. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't figure out who started the idea, but really the guy who gave it platform uh, was a guy named Jay, uh, Jay Widener, and he appeared in Rodney Asher's film Room 237, which is just like a two-hour documentary analyzing The Shining. Yeah. Um, and he brought in a bunch of just weird people giving their takes, and Jay Widener was one of those people. Um, and Jay Widener is the guy who pushed forward that The Shining was a confession from Kubrick and it had all these hidden codes. Yes. That, um, he'd faked the moon landing down to, um, uh, well, the main scene that people point to is the kid, right? The kid wearing right. the Apollo 11. Where he stands up and he's got the shirt with the Apollo 11 on it. And that's symbolic of Apollo 11 launching, which yeah. I guess. I guess, yeah. But. Um, Jay Widener is like a weird rabbit, like rabbit hole if anybody wants to go down it. He, um, <laughs> He's head of Gaia.com, which is a new age uh, website. Mm-hmm. Uh, very weird, paranormal kind of dude. It's funny because the moon landing is not a paranormal theory at all. It's, it's right. very, like, political. But for whatever reason, the kinds of people that believe the moon landing are usually, like, really bizarre new age people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was in 1980 that the Flat Earth Society accused NASA and... Uh, a great quote about it by Linda Degg, uh, Big. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but she was a folklorist, and her, she, this was a response to Peter Himes' 1978 movie Capricorn One, mm. which was basically a movie about faking a trip to Mars. So it was essentially reliving the hoax, and they, or substantiating the hoax because they went ahead and tried to copy a lot of scenes from the moon landing itself. Mm -hmm. And so this kind of pushed that idea forward. And what Linda had to say was the mass media catapults these half truths into a kind of twilight zone where people can make their guesses sound as truths. Mass media have a terrible impact on people who lack guidance. Yes. And this is totally the thing that like, is very interesting about this and these kinds of conspiracy theories that create a broader conversation mm-hmm. um, is because of the kind of good liberal values of the free exchange of ideas that mm-hmm. a lot of the media wants to kind of maintain, it will 
platforms some crazy shit. Yeah. And the problem with when you platform crazy shit is it creates like this aesthetic ideology that's communicated to you that the two ideas are equal. Yes. So if you have um, a Holocaust denier and a historian have a debate and they both go up and it's just a two-person debate, what you're communicating is it's a 50-50 conversation. Exactly. When in reality, it is not. There is like a, a very small fringe group and then there's like the majority. Right. And we see that a lot today in climate change discussions because mm-hmm. it was recently a Fox News anchor or a guest that Fox News had brought on opened with, I am not a scientist. Mm-hmm. But then proceeded to place her opinion at the level of scientists. So it looks like it's this 50-50 debate when really in the scientific community, it's like 99% against 1%. Yeah. If that. Yeah. And that's just like, it's the, uh, the, the medium is the message. The way these ideas are shown says very weird things about them as a broader statement rather right. than just it, you know. Because even this podcast, like I wonder how much we're, we're just giving like a voice to crazy ideas but I think our medium's a little better only because we're talking about them as these are bad ideas and we're analyzing it in that way as right. opposed to I'm not bringing you on and going like, um, I don't know, you have some crazy belief and let's just debate it out. And, I you know, I guess right. somewhere in the middle must be the answer. <laughs> exactly. That's that's not quite what we're going for. Because it's, it's not an equal platform, Mm-mm. and we don't want to be presenting it as such. However, it is a cool rabbit hole, and I think that's another reason yeah. why some of these things get so much attention is it's just weird and bizarre, and that's naturally interesting, and it creates its own dialogue, especially when you have a vocal minority talking about you know, how they believe this wholeheartedly, mm-hmm. and then they sound bigger than they are, and these arguments start happening and that kind of rolls itself into a bigger thing where the movement itself might not even get any more followers from it but it will seem bigger than it was yes yeah when you do that it's also easy to make boogeymen out of like bizarre Mm -hmm. fringe movements like yeah incels are not a thing you and i really have to worry about right there is one act of terrorism that has happened that was, um, you know, held responsible by incels. Yeah. And now they're in the, the oeuvre of conversation about, you know, right. extremism. Right. And, but they're not. They're nothing. They aren't a real thing, <laughs> you know. But um, they're easy to turn into boogeymen and make into some sort of, like, thing that we should all be scared of. Is right. This, like, yeah. Right. And just our luck, I, I'm guessing 90% of our listener base is going to be incels yeah, now. Huh? And we'll have just immediately alienated all of our potentially valuable listeners. Uh, oh no, come back. No, Don't leave. Oh no. Oh no. no. Uh, I would love to touch on real quick because I mean, we've already been saying this, but it, it really just needs to be like railed home because it's going to be something we're going to talk about a lot mm-hmm. as things go on is how interconnected bizarre fringe movements really are. Yeah. Um, and you can nope. see this. Go ahead. I, I want to pull back really quick yeah, to uh, to the vocal minority. One interesting thing about the moon landing is it's not as much of a minority as you might think. That's true. It's actually, like, <laughs> I realize this goes against everything we just said. However, in, a, in an opinion poll, the it showed that in the United States, between 6 and 20% of Americans, 25% of Britons, and 28% of Russians believe that the moon landings were faked, which to me is baffling. That means in a room, one in five people, potentially, believes that the moon landing was faked. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. I've had a lot of friends who thought that. Mm-hmm. Now, what I think... I don't think this discredits what you're what we were saying though. Mm-hmm. I actually think it, it really enforces it because I don't think that that study would have said the same thing 30 years ago. Right. It really is the platforming and the seeing it as an even debate, you know, especially mm-hmm. because there's this kind of logical fallacy that happens um, a lot in in kind of a liberal, liberal democracies, right? right? For whatever reason that it just sprouts there, which is mm-hmm. that somewhere in the middle is the answer. You have the two polar opposites 
you know, these crazy ideas and then somewhere is the answer. Right. That sounds great. But like, you know, if you applied that in like Weimar Germany, like the middle, the middle answer between not killing the Jews and killing all the Jews is killing half of them. Like it's not a good way to analyze data. And it, it, it also leads into, I think a lot of, a lot of people I know who have held to the moon landing conspiracy, what they, what they do is, well, I'm not like, all the way there. I'm not like some of those crazy people, but I'm just, you know, I kind of buy some of it. Yeah. It's that middle, like, well, the reasonable answer must be a synthesis of the two. Yeah. And I think that we're really starting to understand the power of these platforms in today's kind of climate. Like the whole goal of the Antifa movement Mm -hmm. is to be deplatforming Nazis. And yeah, like it's losing that voice. And, you know, we don't hear much about Alex Jones anymore yeah, who, because who the fuck is Miley Yiannopoulos? Anymore? Exactly. Because like, I don't hear now him. that they don't have their platform to talk on they're they've fallen into irrelevancy. And like they knock on the the actual power that the platform has, like people say, oh, well, if you ban them from Twitter, they're going to show up on Tumblr. They're going to show up on Facebook. But if you ban them all here, then they're going to make their own website. They'll find a way. And the truth is, they don't, they don't. you know deplatforming it works well especially because them retreating to the fringe is fine mm-hmm. because the, they're doing more damage in the mainstream right like that's that's the problem right and that's <laughs> the thing when you remove their audience you can mitigate the damage that they're doing yeah because like you know if, if uh, fucking alex jones gets kicked off and he goes makes redpill.com mm-hmm. like that's not going to attract the the normal like everyday twitter users right it's not. It's going to attract people who are already into his theories, mm-hmm. but he's not going to have this influence on the mainstream dialogue anymore. Yeah. And I think this is it's not a unique problem today, but it's super accentuated mm-hmm. given just the availability of information and the ease at which you can have a platform mm-hmm. with a large following. Like, really, the only thing between you and having a huge platform is money. Right. Right. If you can throw enough money at it and enough ad dollars, you'll you'll get a following. Yeah. And, and that's why, like, well, a lot of them are hate them. That's why Antifa, I think, is is kind of a democratization of the speech that we allow. Right. And, you know, whether or not, like, yeah, sure, free speech is great. But, like, I, I don't think it violates free speech when a group of people get together and go, no, fuck that. I'm not okay with you saying that. Right. I don't think that's a free speech issue. The state's not doing that. Nobody's well, doing that. But as a group, as a democratic entity, we are saying like, no, Holocaust denial is fucked up and you're not allowed to say it. Right. I, I don't want that in the mainstream discourse. Right. You know, like I, I'm. Well, and yeah, because the bad. mainstream discourse changes the topic itself and it changes the argument to mm-hmm. where it's not, it doesn't have that equal footing. Things aren't represented accurately. And you know, anymore, like you can find support for really any belief that you have. Mm-hmm. But this is a this is a thing I'd like to dig into more than I'm thinking about now. But we, you know, we haven't. I, I think we'll come back to this topic a lot. Is how much once you're in the fringe, all of the fringe starts blurring together. Right. Um, which is kind of bringing us back to the moon landing because yeah, the amount that like the flat Earth society being linked to the moon, you know, the moon mm-hmm. conspiracy, how mm-hmm. much. Um, you know, uh, uh, the so like three guys that we haven't mentioned yet, um, and they're kind of in the same boat as like uh, Jay Widener, right? Where Jay Widener, right? Um, he, he's like head of a new age fringe science pseudoscience right. type. Well, and I think it's interesting movement. how much this all connects back to religion. Yes, because that is one theme, and not to knock any specific religions or anything, mm-hmm. but the, the fundamentalism in general. Yeah, and I think maybe maybe it's not that like religion leads people to this, but um, the and I, I want to maybe yeah I, I want to use the term fundamentalism rather than religion as somebody who's religious. Right. Like, I don't want to <laughs> be associated with that, but like like really strong fundamentalist epistemology is a fringe idea, mm-hmm. and so it, it ends up in this like weird realm of the fringe, and that's why then they start going like, huh, maybe the moon landing didn't happen too. Right, and I and, I think it's. It has a lot to do with this idea that you can take your your beliefs and bend your facts to meet them instead mm-hmm. of the other day or the other way around. So you've you already know what you believe, like Bill Casing, mm-hmm. when he saw the moon landing, he decided that it was a hoax yeah. and 
all of his research from that point onward was to take the information and synthesize it in a way that creates it as a hoax. So the thing is, like, I I love, like, poking fun at the fringe. Mm -hmm. The only thing I have to kind of push back on thinking more and more about this, though, is how much do we just do that with the mainstream, too? How much do we we defend the status quo? Like, um, a lot of science is both a really progressive thing where it pushes things forward, it develops... Uh, technology, but like what we spend our scientific effort in studying is also a really conservative thing mm-hmm. because it it can continue to establish um, ideas of uh, the status quo. So like uh, using IQ tests to defend uh, really racist institutions was like a thing that was done quite a bit in the last right. few decades. Um, and so like you can you can use science going at it with the assumption that um, you know minorities are dumb. Mm-hmm. And then you can do well, it's, all and it's that. Like and that's any, not fringe. That was mainstream when it happened. Right. You know? Any corporate funded study, for instance, you know, if, like Gatorade. Right. Um, you know, funding studies to tell you to drink Gatorade. Yeah. And then tossing out the ones that tell you not to or misconstruing data or just cherry picking what makes what makes the outcome they want happen. And that's, you know, it's a pervasive problem in everything it's like it's a really cynical reality is that it's you know we the mainstream and the fringe use similar epistemologies it's just whether or not they're um accepted Mm -hmm. whether or not they're accepted by the power structures but then on the flip side that doesn't make because i don't want to then be defending like moon landing conspiracy because i don't i don't don't think it's true um i think they're playing bad games with science Mm -hmm. but the same thought processes that lead to that are a lot of the same thought processes that exist in day-to-day life. Right. You know, that's that's why philosophy and humanities are important. Right, and maybe this is really what we're trying to do with the podcast is yeah. try and connect all these dots and threads that run between all of these different bizarre beliefs and yeah. fringe ideologies. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I actually would like to dive into this more because there's a couple people I really quickly want to mention. Mm-hmm. I don't want to dive into them too much, but they're interesting because they're all related to this this oeuvre of the like weird fringe conspiracy yeah. theory stuff. Yeah. But they're, um, it says a lot. So like uh, Ralph Rene is a guy that Bill Casing encouraged to start doing some writing. He was a, a physicist. I say that loosely. Um, he, well, he was a self-described physicist, yes, wasn't he? Yes, I think he? he did get a degree somewhere. Did he? So, like, a, he started out knowing what he was talking about, but he uh, he was a really radical physicist. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, this is a guy <laughs> That's who, not something you hear no. often, a radical physicist. <laughs> he's, he's an academic who, um, he, he's kind of like the academic wing of the conspiracy mm-hmm. uh, of the moon landing. That's, that's kind of how I've, I picked up on his role in this whole thing. Because he's the guy who knows physics and can mm-hmm. like talk about that, but he's also uh, rejects Einstein's theory of relativity. He rejects uh, Newtonian physics. Like he's very weird. He he uh, calculated a different number for pi. <laughs> like huh. so, he's he's not normal, and he's not uh, normal's not good. But like he's not doing science well, right? And. Um, it's really interesting how that kind of pseudoscience gets lumped in so easily with this moon landing stuff. Um, it, this also links in with two other really important dudes because they're the, uh, the astronauts gone insane. Um, neither of them, I think actually ended up endorsing the moon landing, but they get lumped in with it a lot. Mm. Uh, first one is Brian O'Leary. Yeah. He's an astronaut, became a astrologist later. He never went to space. Um, he was just trained for one of the Apollo programs, but he ended right. up getting turned down for whatever reason. Well, I think they did. They end the Apollo program before. I think it was either that or he dropped out. Mm. Um, well, eventually he dropped out. Yes, and he's a he's a weird dude because um, he he started to get into weird paranormal stuff, but his idea of like the moon landing and issues with that. Um, or actually, like, he's the guy I'm the most sympathetic to mm-hmm. out of all of the people we've talked about because he's, um, he's like an anti-weaponization uh, of space activist. Yeah. Was, like, what he got into. Yeah. 
And in that 2001 documentary we were talking about that really platformed it on Fox, mm-hmm. he um, is quoted in it saying, yeah, they, they probably could have faked those images. Yeah. That was it. That's all he said. He actually yeah. is not a moon landing conspiracy theorist at all. But it just they just took that quote and stuck it in the documentary. Mm-hmm. And now he's like remembered as like a martyr for this like cause. <laughs> right. But... In reality, his issues with the moon landing were not about um, the moon landing itself. It was actually something I'm more sympathetic to, which yeah. is that his, he was afraid they were about to put weapons on it. Right, <laughs> right. And he, you know, wound up with this huge distrust of the government, which mm-hmm. eventually led him away from the public sector. And right. he refused to work on any military space projects or anything like yeah. that. Um, the other guy is much less so that, um, but... He's also the only one who is uh, who's like a full-on astronaut that did something. Edgar Mitchell, who's mm-hmm. the sixth man on the moon, when he was coming back, he had a transcendental experience and became a researcher in the paranormal and became like a UFOologist, right. ufologist. But he's he doesn't deny the moon landing. No, he he's, doesn't. But he, he's cited. Well, he can't. He was there. Right, of course. <laughs> but, but he's cited as like an important figure mm-hmm. in this whole thing, especially from people um, who do the weird game with what the theory is that I've been excited to talk about, yeah. which is that we did go to the moon and we did fake the moon landing at the same time yes. because when they got to the moon, they found aliens. That's the best theory. That <laughs> is the clearly best. the best theory that we got there. And not only did we find aliens, but we found alien structures already set up and with essentially, they said a no trespassing sign and, we were greeted and escorted by the aliens, and they essentially told us, we don't want you here, and you need to leave. And they escorted us, escorted us out of the moon orbit, and after a while, the Apollo missions ground to a halt because we realized we are not welcome on the moon, and these guys don't want us there, so we're going to stop going, which is not a very American thing to do. <laughs> it's... um. I love this theory. Um, oh, no, sorry. The other thing I really love about this theory is that um, they, they say that we were allowed to come back to the moon occasionally, but it was likened to letting the kid play in the sandbox occasionally. Yeah, yeah they, they'd let us come play around <laughs> just and let us do it. just hang out for a little bit. We did not get into one of the most important people. Oh, man, you're right. Oh, man. Um, but we, we can continue. Yeah, we we still we can. To. Okay. Um, another important figure in this whole thing is Bart Sibrel. Oh, yeah. I think I'm mispronouncing his name. And you may not recognize the name, but he's the guy that was punched in the face by Buzz Aldrin, which, <laughs> yes. if you know. That's and, my favorite shit. Oh, man. And not only that, he's, he's the master of the self own. <laughs> <laughs> he made a documentary which first off is called astronauts gone wild it's and it is not <laughs> it is not the porno you'd expect but not only does he create a documentary literally just called astronauts gone wild but he includes footage of himself being punched in the face by Buzz Aldrin and then and then plays it in slow motion back. So it's it's like he he's just there to to really self own, just really get his own ass kicked and show the world. I want to call Bart Sabrell the Michael Moore of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's because that's what he does is he's like the investigative journalist type. Who's yeah. Just asking questions. Right. Um, right. And this is pulling away from the, well, not pulling away from French, pulling away from the French science stuff. This is really interesting. I I think Bart is one of the most interesting figures in this whole thing Mm -hmm. because he's this uh, religious fundamentalist. He's at least, at least that's the vibe you get when you watch his films. He might not be. He's part of the like crowd of people who are trying to push back at the system and show Mm -hmm. that like that there's, there's cracks in this everywhere. Right. Um, so all these people are writing crazy theories. It's Bart Sabrell, though, who's, like, showing up and harassing astronauts. So Astronauts yeah. Gone Wild is just footage of him doing interviews with everybody who is part of the Apollo program. Yes. Um, everybody he can find, at least. Uh, yes. <laughs> and it is the same shtick over and over, like mm-hmm. a Michael Moore film, you know, <laughs> where he 
You, you go through the interview, and more often than not, the person getting interviewed does not realize they are being interviewed by a conspiracy theorist. Right. And they're actually just delighted to have somebody asking them questions about yeah. the thing they did. Right. And eventually it starts getting this darker tone before they start getting mad because they're like, oh, this guy's just trying to get me to say something. Yeah, well, they realize that he's got that agenda. Yeah. He's Everything is working Yes. To fortify his point. And it, so he's just trying to find that sound bite he can use. Right. It's, it's always trying to go for like the gotcha politics where he's right. waiting for that moment where he says something well, weird. The really hilarious part about it is his his gotcha thing is he wants each astronaut to swear on a Bible. Yes. <laughs> on pain of treason it, that they did, in fact, land and walk on the moon. It, it really, the trick of this works well because he gets them riled up before he does this. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do this while they're like, you know, still kind of right. calm. He gets them demanding them to leave their house or something. And then he whips out the NIV Bible and goes, put your hand on this and swear to me that you went on the moon. And like a few people did it. Yeah. But the majority of people went, get the fuck out of my house. Right. Like, what are you doing? You are right. a madman. Oh, man. And and then his whole thing was, I'm going to get all these all this footage and then I'm going to take him to court and prove in a court of law that they didn't land on the moon. And which he, he didn't know. Yeah. He, <laughs> the sidetrack. He so did the, run into some legal issues. The best. I think the very best part of his his life, really. So. You know, scrolling through his Wikipedia article and I get to the legal issues and, you know, I'm rubbing my hands like, oh, boy, this is what I came here for. Yeah, the the lawsuit. Right. Where he (laughs) actually took everything and he sued the astronauts. And I get reading and what actually happened is he was working as a taxi driver. He had a dispute over a parking spot with a woman. Uh, He got the spot, but then he got out, followed her to where she parked and jumped up and down on the roof of her car, causing about $1,400 worth of damage, and got obviously taken to court and put on probation for it. And so that that was his big legal escapade. On a side note with the legal issue thing, just rabbit trail here, uh, Casing uh, sued an astronaut, um, just an astronaut who had said in an article or in an interview that Bill Casing was wacky and he sued him for defamation for calling him wacky. It's not defamation, if it's true. Petty as shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. So we should watch out for that. Well, yeah, might might be getting a law lawsuit tossed at us here soon. Well, Bill Casing's dead, so. His estate. Yeah. Bart Seibel isn't. He's no, still Bart kicking. Seibel's still kicking. He's a YouTube dude now, right? He is. Yeah, he is. And he refers to him as Brother Seibel. So I think there is a little religious yeah. fanaticism. For sure. Um, I, this is a thing I just ran into now, but I'm actually really interested in this. Um, Bill Casing's daughter, Wendy Casing, um, plans to write a book about Bill Casing. And um, hear me out, he, she doesn't believe the hoax. Oh. She, she's not a conspiracy theorist. She wants to write about him as a person. And oh. I would read the shit out of that book. That actually that sounds, sounds really so cool. Good. Yeah. <laughs> I'd read that. I'd read that shit. I mean, I do want to say that, like, in my personal opinion, Buzz Aldrin is, is grown to be one of my favorite people in he the world. He is an all-American hero. He, he is incredible. Um, because he's the one that aged the worst. <laughs> like, he definitely has some form of dementia, I think. Any interview you get with him, he just doesn't know what the hell is going on. But he's also the one that was, like, gotten into the most confrontations with conspiracy theorists. Yep. So, oh, Buzz Aldrin punched Bart, uh, several, as we mentioned. But he yes. also, like... Uh, oh, he also supposedly admitted that the uh, moonlighting never happened when that girl asked him why it didn't, hadn't happened. Well, and he he just <laughs> said it in a really roundabout, confusing way. Because he's like a thousand years old. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, like this little girl asks him, you know, why haven't we gone to the moon again since you went? And he's like, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's because we never did. And there's a pause, and you're like, oh, no. But his point is, we just didn't do it. Right, like, not that we never talking. went to the moon. <laughs> but that is, like, the footage that's used all the time. Right. It's so good. 
I guess we should be wrapping this up now. Um, I guess so. Yeah. I, I just, I'd love to just talk about Buzz Aldrin forever. Oh man. There's just so much on here that I could talk about forever, it's but so we got to wrap up at some point. <laughs> but I guess kind of what we've gathered from all this research is the moon landing definitely happened. Yeah. Like there, I don't see a lot of room for denial in this. Like, like there are no. a few things where, where you can put together a theory, but the moon landing just doesn't seem like one of them to me. Like there's a lot, yeah. there's a lot of reason for them to have filmed the moon landing, but it just doesn't add up. Like all of, all of the arguments, the shadows, the crosshairs and all of that, there's, there's explanations for them. And at the end of the day, there is no government on Earth competent enough, I believe, to keep a secret that big. I think with just like the reality of politics is the majority of conspiracies and ways that like politics are manipulated are so out in the open mm-hmm. that I just have gotten less need for a conspiracy to explain phenomena. Right. Or phenomena. Because like <laughs> phenomenons. Phenomenon. I just have less need of conspiracy theories to explain things. Right. Because, like, I don't think you need an elaborate conspiracy when you have just the existence of the FBI, which yeah. has done plenty of crazy conspiratorial things right. that we know right. about. You know, I don't think you need these crazy Illuminati conspiracies to just explain, like, how much funding by corporate America plays into our politics. You know, right. like, it, exactly. it's not necessary. Exactly. And, yeah, it's, it's a lot of open secrets and... I mean, secrets are hard to keep, mm-hmm. especially something on this scale. Yes. And this this is enormous, not only because just the sheer importance and scale of it, but you've got a lot of people in all different sort of stations and levels that would need to be in on it for it to happen. You know, the whole cast and crew mm-hmm. of film of the, the set filming it, all of NASA a lot of the U.S. government. Like, this isn't something that you can just orchestrate with a few people and call mm-hmm. it good. This is a huge, large-scale production, especially considering the technology back then that would be needed to actually make a moon landing scene and then distribute it like that. Yeah, I feel like whenever you're talking about actual conspiracies that happen, there's only, like, two ways that you can really, like, that they start to actually be possible. And mm-hmm. one is either that they can naturally occur without somebody twisting their mustache at the top, you know? Like, right. So I think, like, uh, a lot of capitalism, you can just pretty easily go, like, yes, a big corporation does that because that's what they do. Yes. It's either that or the explanation of, like, a small coalition. Yes. So, like, a really small group of people involved. Then it's possible. The right. problem with NASA is it's not, like, five people in a meeting room. It's exactly hundreds of scientists involved. Exactly. And... You know, there are hundreds of scientists who were there and worked on it. And yeah, they're not with this much time between now and the moon landing. I think some more substantial claims would have come forward. Right. But we just don't see that. And there's not many people in the scientific community that deny it. For sure. It's kind of like climate change in that instance where the people that deny it are the ones that aren't necessarily experts in the field Mm -hmm. and already have a predisposition to distrust authority or the government or space. Yeah. Um, I think that pretty much wraps up the moon landing. Um, Yeah. So what do you have to say? But I would definitely like we're putting a pin in this conversation because it will come back. A lot of the stuff we talked right. about. Well, and I think that a lot of what we talked about today is a, a constant thread that will be that will kind of weave in and out of all of our episodes because what we're really looking for is this connection of the weird conspiracy fringe yeah, ideas with what I'm interested yeah in. with with society today and how all of that connects together. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess do we want to just do some plugs? Sure. Since we're wrapping up. Yeah. Do you yeah. have anything that you want to plug today? Yeah. Um, you can find me at Josiah W. Sutton on Twitter. Um, I do some music on Facebook. I, I got a Facebook page right now. I'm trying to do more with it. It's the page is called Josiah Sutton Does Music. Um, so you can follow me there. Um, 
trying to think of anything, any good movies or like things I've seen lately. Um, there's a local band from Iowa called Catholic Werewolves that just dropped a very good, very short album. They're like kind of a good pop punky type thing, and I've mm-hmm. been really enjoying it. Yeah. Um, so you should definitely check out Catholic Werewolves. I just listened to 30 seconds of one of their songs before we sat down here today, and I, for the 30 seconds, I did enjoy it. <laughs> it's pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How about you, Jerry? Do you have any plugs? Well, you can find me on Twitter at that other Jared. Um, obviously, you should follow this podcast on Twitter because that's where most of the magic here happens at vlegal v cool pod. And I recently watched Ex Machina, mm. and it was pretty good. I liked it. I think it was a very interesting take on AI and the future. Advertising that new film that just came out. I realize that I'm way behind (laughs) and that everybody has already seen it. But when it was in theaters and I was going to go see it, I was too hungover. And so I didn't go. And then it took me a couple years. And that's kind of how this goes. A lot less robot sex. There was a lot less robot sex than I was expecting, which which was okay. I wasn't fine with that. Yeah, yeah, I, I wasn't really. Yeah, because I watched it with somebody that I hadn't watched a movie with before, and it was like the first movie we watched together, and I didn't know her that well. <laughs> so could have been hit or miss. The The line, I'm not ready to watch a robot orgy with you, came up <laughs> while we were watching it. So That's just, that's the moment you know it's real. You know? Right, right. Once, once you can watch that robot orgy with another person, you know they're the one. That's the one, yeah. Yep. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, yeah. for listening to Very Legal, Very Cool. This has been Very Legal, Very Cool. <laughs> we'll uh, catch you later, I guess. Yeah, get out of here. Bye. Yeah, you just, yeah. yeah. I need a shower. God, same. Content nonsense. Nothing. We're not come town. We can't do that. What if?